It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. If you like country music and you like the NFR and you like Las Vegas, well, then my guest hits all three jackpots. He's country artist Craig Campbell, performing in Gilly's Saloon, Dance Hall, and Barbecue at Treasure Island, December 7th and 8th. For more information, go to gillieslasvegas.com. And for everything about Craig Campbell, go to craigcampbell.tv. And you can follow him on Instagram, Facebook, X, and YouTube. And Craig, welcome to the show. And you're driving. This is the first for our show. Well, yeah, uh, just out running errands, taking taking advantage of being home, not on the road. So uh, I apologize for uh, for uh, driving, but I feel like this is something we can do. And, and uh, so just I'm glad to be on here with you. Well, good. So you grew up playing your mother's piano and singing in church. How did that set the tone for your career or did it? Well, I grew up in a very uh, rural part of Georgia and I didn't I never got to play sports but because I lived so far from from the schools, so all I had was the outdoors and um, and a piano. So I just dove in, and, and the piano was very intriguing to me. I wasn't like it wasn't like I, uh, you know, I wasn't forced to play the piano. They're like every time I would walk by one, it just it just would just I was intrigued so much that, and I wasn't that type of kid where I was just I see it and I wanted to bang on it. I, I was I really wanted to learn it and and get it all figured out and and that's just how it all came about and that's and that was I was a very young I was a, at a very young age when all that took came about and um, so that's just where my music the love my love of music began and and uh, so yeah I don't, I didn't get to play sports but it all worked out. Now you also <laughs> this is interesting. I, I don't think a lot of people know this. You were a corrections officer for a while in your hometown of Lyons, Georgia. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was when it was. I knew I didn't want to go to college, and I, there was you know you could go you could apply for the Department of Corrections without any kind of a college background and and come out of high school making a really good living with great benefits and. And at the time I was, I was engaged to uh, my high school sweetheart. So the, uh, just that, that just seemed to be what you were supposed to do growing up in South Georgia was, was, you know, graduate high school, get a job, get married, build a house, have some kids. Uh, but yes, yeah, so I, I did. I was a correctional officer for about, I don't know, about two and a half years. Do you bring the piano with you? To the, to prison? Yeah. That, that was somewhat of a joke. No. Okay. I didn't think. No, yeah. <laughs> It's hard to carry hard to carry a piano around. I mean, well, I, I know I was asked <laughs> I was asked to take my guitar every now and again, but uh, <laughs> never piano. You had <laughs> when you decided to go into country music. I know you had a couple of idols like Travis Tritt and Randy Travis. How far back do you go in terms of really liking country music? Do you go back to I go back to Porter Wagner even further back, uh, or further back in terms of my sense of country music? How did you get a sense of the masters? going back more than your generation or did you just pick the two that I mentioned Travis Tritt and Randy Travis No I, I mean my love of country music started around 1989 1990 when I was able to go out and buy my own cassettes you know and and uh, and I truly believe that from 1988 and 89 to 1997 that was 
the best era of country music that that will ever be and probably won't ever be that good again. So I was I was uh, I was being heavily influenced by that class of artists. Just Travis Tritt was my favorite. I was I mean I'm, there were so many great country singers in that time frame, but if I had to pick one, it would be Travis Tritt as my as my like my my dude. Did you ever get to meet him? Oh yeah, I met him. We recorded together. I've done shows with him. Uh, yeah, he's he's a good dude. That's kind of interesting when you think about it. When how you grew up, and then you idolize someone, and then you end up recording with them, and yeah, playing yeah, around a, with them and all that. That was that was wild, you know. And I always wanted to meet him, but I at the same time I didn't. I never wanted to meet Travis until it meant something to him, because you know, there's a lot of lot of those guys that people will walk up and say, "Hey, man, I'm so and so. I'm a big fan." And that happens so often that it sometimes can just happen and, and you don't even remember it. But I, so I knew that when I met Travis for the first time, I wanted it to be something special. And so the first time I met him was the day we were in the studio together to record that song. And so hopefully, hopefully he remembers that. Yeah, I want to talk about a couple of your albums in a moment, but because you've had several top 10 hits, you had Fish, Family Man, Keep Them Kisses Coming, Outskirts of Heaven. So you, you've had... Hits and you're also you have an album, uh, part one and part two, which I'll get to in a second. But how did you decide to work it where you have the recording side and you have the performing live side? I guess to phrase it that way. How did you decide to balance those two, or can you balance those two? Can you go in the studio and record? Can you go out and tour, perform live as you are, as I mentioned, coming up at Gillies Thursday and Friday, December seventh and eighth? Well, I don't, um, I don't think you, for me as an entertainer, I mean, you can't do, I got, I, you know, I got music broken up into three pieces. It's, it's the writing of the songs, which is the creative part, the recording of the songs, which is the, uh, the, uh, you know, the production side of it. And then the go out and doing it live for me as an entertainer, I, I'm not satisfied unless I can do all three, but as far as having to juggle it, it's, it, it's no, no trouble at all. It is just, it's just part of, of the whole process of, from a song from the time it's born to the time it's it's brought to life in the studio and then performing it mm -hmm. on stage, I feel like that's a complete, just a complete cycle of, of being just being a, a true entertainer. So the creative part is the writing, then the technical part is recording, and then the fun part is performing. It's all fun. It is all fun. It's all okay. fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, even the technical part in recording, because you sometimes those are long hours in the studio, you want to get it down perfect. So. It's not as spontaneous as performing or in the writing of it, I would assume. But I love it. I love it. It's that that part, just watching it and hearing something and saying, "Hey, can you do this?" And then just slowly piecing that. So it's almost like a big, like a painting. You, you know, you you're painting it, and you're like, "Oh man, it could use this. It could use that." Oh, take that back off. That doesn't look right. And then you just keep going, and then eventually you have what you would consider as a masterpiece. And that's that's what I love about the the recording process are, are you on both sides of the glass when you're recording in a sense that you're you're obviously recording but also you're you're playing it back you're saying well let's take let's take this out let's take that out let's add this are you are you kind of are you the mixer engineer as well as the recording artist no i don't touch the knobs i'm a, <laughs> I, I just i'm a, i'm more of a producer so i and 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 musician so when i'm in the studio i'm either playing or i'm directing traffic and that's uh yeah, I, I didn't mean you actually touched the knobs uh, per se, but more that you could hear the sound and you tell the engineer, I want to have less bass here and more treble here, and I want to have this brought in here sooner rather than later, that type of 
instruction. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's that's you would call that guy the producer, which is what I've been doing a lot here lately. Right. Now you released two albums this year: the Lost Files, Exhibit A and B. How, what's the concept behind the Lost Files? Well, the Lost Files were was a collection of songs that I have been I've recorded over the past ten years or so with all of the record labels that I've been with, and um, part of the part of the me leaving those record labels, I was able to take every song that I recorded that was never released. And so I had these songs, and they were just sitting on a hard drive, and I just I felt like they did they didn't need to be on a hard drive. I recorded those songs for a reason, and I loved them. So, but the re- where the lost files the name came from is because they almost really truly got lost. And so, when I became independent, I, my for one of the first things that I thought about was just putting all them songs out. So I tried to maybe start putting them out one at a time, but then I then I just had this idea to just put them all out at once, and that's where. We decided to just go ahead and do a double album and we, we broke it up into two parts with exhibit A and then exhibit B. And so that's, that's how that all came about. Sounds very legal. Exhibit A and exhibit B, Your Honor. Here are the lost yep. files. And <laughs> we've won right. the case as a result of that. So when you start to look at the songs you had, I just mentioned that they were in your hard drive, which again speaks to where we are technologically, but also, I've talked to more and more people now who have become independent artists in the sense that they have their own record label or they produce their own music and they release their own music, especially you can do it online. You don't really need a a physical sense to that degree anymore as you would 10 years, 20 years, 30 years ago. So are, are you are you finding that among your colleagues in the in country music that there are more and more artists that are becoming independent? Oh, yeah. There's a lot of artists that are making a great living being being independent and doing it all on their own because of just the resources that we have and and crazy enough I have uh, I have a bunch of friends that have record deals that wish they weren't tied mm-hmm. up in a record deal so that they could do it on their own uh, just because we we can there's a lot of these a lot a lot of pieces that that you can do you can contract out yourself and have as much if not more success and make more money. Because, you know, when you sign a record deal, they own everything. So you, the only way you can make money is, is to go out and tour. And then sometimes the record label takes a part of that. So it's uh, signing a record deal is not as good as it used to be. Right. Times have changed. And also, too, with technology where it is, you could record in your own basement or your own garage or your own studio. You can set one up somewhere as well. And you can record elements of it from musicians in other cities and bring that in as well and put it all together and release it online. And you've worked out, worked it out a lot better than if you were to, as you say, sign a deal with a record company that's taking a piece of the action, having to pay production costs, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you sign a record deal, they'll, they'll say, Hey, yeah, we'll pay for your recording up to like what $10,000 a song. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, if I said, well, if I, I, I can record that same song for about half that price and I'll own it. It's mine. Like, so when it plays on Spotify or, or anywhere people listen to music, I get paid and, and the record label doesn't make any. So it just, it just doesn't make sense these days to sign a record deal unless you, you are tra- chasing, you know, country radio. And, and I'm blessed. I was able to do that for a while and I've, I've had some pretty good success at country radio and I'll never take that for granted. But, um, it's, it's not a fun game to play. No, I'd imagine not. When you were first starting, you looked to Nashville in a way as your North Star, as many country musicians do. 
Were you surprised at what you found when you went to Nashville? Were you happy, unhappy, satisfied? Did it grow on you? What was what was your take on Nashville? Well, Nashville, was, to me, was just, I just wanted to be surrounded by like-minded people and like-talented people. Uh, I never, like, I didn't, when I moved to Nashville, I was not, you know, having a record deal was not on my radar. I just wanted to be around more people like me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then, you know, just hanging out with buddies and, and they, every, people around me start signing record deals and publishing deals. And I'm like, well, shoot, I want to do that. And, um, I was, I was not intimidated by Nashville. And it wasn't like, I wasn't surprised by how Nashville acted or how, how the, the politics work. Uh, but I will say that I was a little naive into thinking that it would never happen to me kind of thing. You know, like whenever, whenever you have your record deal, you, you have access to, to everybody. But then when you don't have a record deal, no people, people stop calling you back. Right. You know, and that's, that's just, uh, that's the sucky part of it all. But, you know, it, you get used to it. What was your take on the Grand Ole Opry when you first saw it? Oh, the Grand Ole Opry was awesome. Uh, first time I played the Opry, actually, I was playing piano for Tracy Bird, and um, so it it was always a. Co- I never went to the Opry unless I and, and, until I was playing there, which which is pretty cool. And and uh, so, but uh, you know, every time I play the Opry stage, it's it's awesome. It's it's just one of those stages that it never gets old, and and um, yeah, it's just it's just a, it's a hallowed ground, if you will, for country music artists. And so uh, I do love playing it. They moved location, but they kept that circle or the original circle in terms of the stage. And so people always talk about what that feels like being in that circle performing. Yeah, it's wild, you know, because and you some you just got to tune it out because sometimes if you really think about all the people that have stood right there, it's mm-hmm. just it it might get a little overwhelming. But honestly, though, you, you when you're at the opera, you only get to do two sometimes three songs that really don't have time to sink in like hardcore. <laughs> right. Uh, so you can get out there and do your songs and get off the stage. And, but yeah, it's, you know, to, to know that you're standing in the same spot as, as all the people before you is, is pretty, pretty, uh, pretty crazy. Who was the most important person? Well, that probably isn't the right term, but who was the most impressive person you met while performing at the Grand Ole Opry who may, may be a different, different act you meet in the hallways or in the green room or one of the dressing rooms? Somebody that you never thought you'd meet, but they're there because it's the Grand Ole Opry. Well, all the Opry stars, you know, like Jeannie Seeley and Mike Snyder and John Conley and, and just those guys, you know, even though I was, I didn't grow up on that, that music because they, you know, they were, they were around a lot longer or a lot earlier mm-hmm. than I was. You still see them and, the, and it's almost like you, you're watching in real life, real time, a country music museum display. Because these guys are like Jeannie Seeley celebrating 56 years mm. as a Grand Ole Opry member. That's just crazy. So you're watching it in real, real life that, that I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I've talked to a couple of artists that are performing there and they give similar feedback to what it feels like to be performing there and seeing some of the grades. So that's good to hear it from you as well. How often do you come to Las Vegas? I know you haven't been there in a while over at Gillies, but you're coming back for NFR, as I mentioned, uh, Thursday and Friday, December 7th and 8th. When was the last time you were here? Do you remember? And what was it like being in Las Vegas? That's a different venue, or that's a different location, I guess is the better term, than Nashville or some other other places you played. 
I, it is. It's different, but at the same time, it's the same. I mean, honky, a honky tonk is a honky tonk is a honky tonk. It don't even matter where or like what city you're in. Last time I was there, I was playing, and then uh, most of the time I come out there about once a year. I guess is is, is uh, for the ACM awards is most of the time when I get out that way. But Vegas is crazy. I I take it in small doses. I can't be out there for too long. I, but I I do enjoy going. But you know, about two. Two days, three days max, and then I'm ready to leave. Do you remember any memorable experiences uh, having performed in Las Vegas? I played on Fremont Street one time for the ACMs, and that was pretty cool to be out there in the, like, on Fremont Street and and having like a few thousand country music fans out there, and it was just that was that was pretty awesome. When you start to record, do you keep in mind your audience, or do you really keep in mind your art? Which way does it go for you when you're recording? It used to be the audience. You know, when you're chasing, when you're on the radio and, and the record label, are they're telling you what you can and what you can't record. It's all the business side of things, and which which is the worst part of, of of country music. So you're you're like, oh well, let's hope it downloads, let's hope it streams, let's hope it tests, and let's let's hope the fans, you know, blah blah blah. And I'm like, I hate that. So now since I'm independent, it's all about me and how I feel about it. I'm here to make music that makes me happy and makes gets me fired up. And if my fans love it, they love it. And the truth is the fans will love it if they are fans. So I, I don't even, it, it's not even a, an issue. So sometimes you get caught up into the whole like chasing radio and then you, you alienate your fan base because you're trying to do something that's not you. And so I'm, I'm just, I'm glad I'm not part of that anymore. When did you decide to take that independent route or route, depending on what part of the country you're from? Well, when Broken Bow left me, let me go. <laughs> yeah. So when they let me go, it was like, oh, this sucks. But then uh, it took me a few months. I realized I was in the driver's seat and I said, wait a minute. So now, I, now I'm in the driver's I, I can dr run my own race. And, and so, and then it was just like, oh, well, then the chains were off. And I was, I was just, now I'm happy. Now I can do what I want to do. I would think some artists take a little bit longer. You took a fairly short time in order to pull this off. I already knew what I didn't like about the record business. And so I knew that as soon as the, the light switch went off, I knew that was not what I wanted to do. Uh, but it took, it took a few months to figure out what I wanted to do. When did you know that you made the right decision? Was it the first week, the first month, the first year? When was that decision made for you? Or when was that feeling where you knew you made the right decision? That's pretty quick. It wasn't, um, it wasn't probably the end of 2019, about a year. Mm -hmm. uh, about a year in is like when I, because I had, was teeing up, getting ready to make my first release as an independent artist. So about eight, nine months. Yeah, that's pretty good. Again, I've talked to guests who, gone that that way and they it takes them a little while sometimes to get their head around what they want to do and to, and to believe in themselves and i guess that's the key isn't it craig that you have to really believe in your talent and you know that you've got a fan base and you're going to just pursue the way you're going to do it without having to worry about record albums or publishers etc well it just you know at the end of the day it comes down to like money when you when you when you sign a record deal, you're you're basically they're the they're the bank. The record label is your bank. So again, I'm grateful for the success that I had having record deals, but now that I don't need them, and I can 
And and when you find out how much money the record label was making off of you, and now you're making that money, it's it's like, no, man, I should have left these guys a long time ago. <laughs> the lights go on, and you see you see this you see it clearly in that sense. So now, in addition, yeah, yeah in addition to your performing and in, in addition to your albums, you have a coffee deal, Grindstone Cowboy Coffee House, restaurant yep. and music venue. Where's that at? It's in a little town. And it's run by you and the family, right? Yep, me and my wife. Uh, well, more, more my wife than anything. She, she would what would I guess you would call the GM. She, uh, <laughs> so she runs Grindstone Cowboy uh, in Eagleville, Tennessee. We have our location, and then we got a couple of locations that we should be opening in the next couple of years. And so, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. We had a dream to to do this, uh, open up these coffee shops and restaurants, and uh, we pulled the trigger during COVID, and here we are. Do you also Package coffee and sell it online? We do. So they can find out again by going to your website. You can go to thegrindstonecowboy.com. Excellent. We'll see what's brewing over there. I think that could work well. Yeah. So your wife, Mindy, is the one that runs it. She's the general manager. You have other members of the family involved in it as well? Yeah, the girls work there occasionally because you can, you know, you can pay your, your kids uh, tax-free up to a certain amount of money. So they we're, we're getting them... Uh, you know, give, giving them some money, but they got to work for it throughout the year. And then they also perform there on occasion. So they want, do you think they want to follow their father's footsteps? Well, you mentioned perform. Yeah, I don't know yet. You know, I know Presley loves it. Kenny Rose, probably not, but you know, <laughs> who, who knows? <laughs> What's your newest project? Are you working on another album? Always working on new music. I got some stuff in the pipe. Uh, it's, it, you know, we're, we're excited about 2024. We're just going to keep doing what we're doing and, and, uh, just gotta just tell the fans to just hang in there and, and just be ready because it, it, it may come out with no warning. When you have fans come up to you after a show, what do they tell you about you and that you are surprised to hear or that validates what you already know about yourself? Do you have fans that come up and say certain things to you, either about the song, your performance, you as a person, any of those things? Well, I mean, you know, you get to always have the, the, the fans that come up and say, uh, man, I've, you know, I've been a fan a long time. This is my first show, but you know, you sound better in live than you do on tape. And I'm like, well, that, I don't know how, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, <laughs> but, uh, and you know, so that, that is a, always a good feeling when people, when I'm recognized for just, doing it live. So, yeah, that'd be something that I love hearing. That's the first that I've ever heard that where somebody says you sound better live than on, on the album. It's usually the other way yeah. around. Oh, I mentioned some of your hits, Fish, Family Man, etc. What's your favorite song? And what do you think is the fan favorite song? Or is there a fan favorite song? Because you have several, but what's your favorite song? What do you think is the fan favorite song? Or song? Well, I got a lot. Of, I got a lot of favorites. I would, But I would say if there's one song that people expect at the show you know that they're, they're waiting on it is outskirts of heaven probably be that song and why is that why do you think that that's a favorite and why they want to hear it every time well it was a it was a big song you know it's my first gold record uh just it reached a lot of people touched a lot of people and it's you know it it's it's talks about faith and gives it gives people uh peace knowing that if they had somebody that that they lost, you know, at some point in their lives, they know that they're in a good space. And so it's, it's a song of healing. 
So uh, I just feel like it's a big, relatable song, and, and people just love it. Before I let you go, what do you see down the road the next five, ten years for Craig Campbell? Well, I, the music side of things, we'll, we'll still be doing what we're doing. And um, and then on Grindstone, we hopefully have four or five more locations opened up. And just, yeah, more of that. And you also, you mentioned I mentioned the opening that you like NFR. Do you participate in any way other than performing? You're not going to get up on a on a bull or anything like that, are you? No, no, that ain't for me, man. <laughs> I, I was uh, no, never did ever, not never wanted to be on the back of a bull or anything like that. <laughs> you just appreciate it without having to necessarily uh, be on it, I guess. That's right. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. So <laughs> that's a good way to end it. My guest has been country artist Craig Campbell. He's performing in Gilly's Saloon. Dance Hall and Barbecue at Treasure Island, December 7th and 8th. For more information, go to gillieslasvegas.com. And for everything about Craig Campbell, go to craigcampbell.tv. And you can follow him on Instagram, Facebook X, and YouTube. And Craig, thanks for being on the show. Thank you, brother. See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Yeah.